Well, good morning. It's like uh, we finally got some rain this year. Just, I guess we're just getting used to it and praising God and thanking him for all this moisture. Well, here we are uh, coming to a pivotal point of the book of Romans. And uh, it is going to take a transition starting now in chapter 12. We have gone from uh, the first early chapters. Uh, we got to the places where we are finding out that we're separated from God. God is, uh, has in the impartiality of God. That uh, talks about the Jewish nation. We talked about being justified by faith and faith alone. That, uh, that we can't do anything to earn it. That God did it. We've also got to the place where God is processing in your life and my life a sanctification. That is, we're, we're working out that which God has already proven true so that we might experience uh, what he has given us. We uh, are looking forward to uh, the fact that in one day we're going to be able to see the totality of what we were designed for, what everybody was designed for, what every creation was designed for, what every flower, what every plant was created for. Everything is groaning and is looking forward to that day when things begin to happen. I, 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 you say that and yet I want you just to stop and realize that. You look out here and you see that this pine tree, the needles will fall down, they will appear dead. Someday, even those are groaning for when God comes back, what everything was created and designed uh, is going to come to its full expression, and in its expression, God is going to be glorified and awed. Then we come to uh, a portion of Scripture right before this, uh, and it's called, From him, through him, to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I have to tell you last week, uh, Ben, I will, I will go ahead and uh, lay you kind of out here. I don't know if any of you here were here last week, but... It was not the words that were spoken last week that, that, in my opinion, that had a whole lot of power in Ben's speech. It was, this man's heart was trying to be laid out to you. If you did not see that, and I was sitting over here, and I was reminded of me telling my three sons uh, what it's going to be like when they fall in love right over their head. And I'm trying to tell them, when you f fall in love, nothing. We, there's no words to explain it. You, you will not comprehend it, and I want you to know, and I was trying to give some instruction, and I remember specifically one time talking to one of the sons, and I said, uh, being in the final tournament of baseball, bases are loaded, you're down by three runs, it's, it's the end of the ninth inning, and you hit a grand slam, walk-off grand slam, that doesn't even compare when you fall in love. Thinking, they'll get this. Not until later on, when my kids did fall in love, did they come back to me and say, wow, I now know what you're talking about. I looked around at your faces last week when this man was trying to tell you 
of this awesomeness of God, this glory of God, this fantastic God. And in some ways, it looked like you were kind of in the same way my kids were. That I just not grasping the fullness of this God for him, from him, through him, to him, are all things. And someday, and someday, we are going to see that in all magnificence. And in that day, you won't know whether to run, to jump, to fall on your knees, but you will be in the full expression of what God designed you to be. And, and that's why we come to verse 12. I've got the opposite deal. I have to take my glasses off to read. <laughs> the opposite. My age kind of went backwards on me. I think my maturity is too, my wife says. So We start with verse 1, and uh, if you'll follow, if you have your Bibles, uh, leave them open. We are just going to walk through these verses here. And he says, I urge you. Uh, literally, that word means I, you take somebody aside, take them aside, and you encourage them as strongly as you can encourage them. I'm urging you, I'm encouraging you, therefore, because of what we've covered so far in all of these weeks of Romans, because of all of this, we are now going to make this practical in your daily life, in your living out from the time you rise in the morning to the time you lay down. Now we're going to go ahead and say all of this actually had a place. It was moving you and I towards the experiencing in our daily life all that we heard before. Therefore, all the things that were said, all the things you have read on your own, all the things you have studied on your own, I urge you, by the mercies of God, in view of what you now know about God and His incredible mercy, which that basically means you didn't get and I didn't get what we deserved. He overlooked that. He paid the price for it. He didn't overlook it. He paid the price for it, and His grace abounded. Because of all this, I'm going to urge you to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice. A living, holy sacrifice. Acceptable. That word literally means well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is where all of a sudden you are now kind of seen as a sacrifice, and it's not just the few things in your life. I've done this exercise. Matter of fact, I'm doing it again today, uh, tonight afterwards, because of a lot of different things in my life. I have listed everything on paper that somehow touches me from every material thing that I have, from every piece of clothing that I have, from every uh, relationship and child and animal and vehicle. I list it all as a reminder, these are not mine. I, they're on loan to me. They are God's. And more importantly than all these things, this body up here uh, is not mine. It is now laid down as a living sacrifice. Body, soul, spirit, everything is God's. You just can't get into this a little teeny bit. There was a guy named Charles Swindoll, and I remember he wrote an article that became pretty famous, and it called, I Just Want $3 Worth of God. And it goes, but don't, don't give me enough that I have to do this or have to do this. I just want $3 worth of God. This portion of Scripture is going to challenge you, and every person in here is going to be uniquely challenged in a uniquely different way, which we're going to see in a minute. 
And that basically, if you list those things and list yourself and offer yourself at the altar of basically saying, here, I'm all yours and I'm all in. Now, hold for a minute, because a lot of you get scared when you say that. Remember what he said? I'm urging you, therefore, did you not see what he just did for you? Did you not see that regardless of yours and my puny minds that cannot understand this overwhelming love of God that chases after us, do you not see that even in the time when we get to heaven and everything is redeemed, there is still holes in Jesus' hands? And he shows them to you to say, remember what I did for you. Therefore, knowing I love you and I lay down my life for you, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You won't go wrong. You won't go wrong. And so now, this is a challenge. It is those that are saying, I'm really going to step into this. We live in a country, uh, as much as we say it's a country that's really kind of denied God, you have no clue sometimes what we do. We can sit and teach like this on a morning and not be shot. We can have our Bibles in the cafeterias and we can read them. And, and the challenge of saying, I'm all in, knowing that my life may die tonight being all in, some of us don't understand that. And so what he's saying here is basically, I'm urging you to present your entire being to me, everything. This will prove the will of God. This will prove what is the perfect will of God. We have a verse that we've probably uh, used in this church, at least I know going back to when Dwayne Laughlin was here, because I remember preaching sometimes with Dwayne Laughlin, and I remember him doing this all the time, me doing this all the time, Rob Graham saying this all the time, Steve and Pat and me saying this all the time, everybody, you have all heard about this verse, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have bombarded you with it, is that right? Or, you, or else we did a horrible job, okay? And all it means is you and I have been squeezed by the world, it means you're squeezed into a mold that the world is telling you that you can be okay apart from God. You can be your own God. You can get up in the morning and decide those things that you think are good and favorable for you. And we have just gone through all of the book of Romans we're saying no, don't be squeezed into the world's mold. They're lying to you. Nobody, nobody comes out fulfilled in chasing these things. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived on the planet, tasted, tested everything that you and I can imagine and way beyond anything you or I could have tested. From music to, to money to fame to architect to, to sex to uh, just everything. He tried it all and he said, it's vanity. It doesn't work. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Be careful. Be transformed. How do you get transformed? How do you, when you're squeezed over, how do you get transformed and, and turn into a different direction to let everything that's been taught to you and me and that's in the first part of this Romans, how does it start to affect your life so now I begin to be all that I was created to be? We do this by renewing our mind. 
by taking those things that are true according to God and his word revealed to us through the Holy Spirit, and we begin to put them on by faith, believing this is good, and he's good all the time. And I know if you uh, were here and you've listened to a couple of the sermons that I wasn't a part of giving, but with Ben and Nick and about the hardships in life and the things that come upon you and me, don't be so surprised when these fiery ordeals overtake you like something strange is happening to you. You've been called for this purpose. We live in a world that has fallen. And there's things you and I will never comprehend. We will not understand those. In the job that I do in 38 years, I've heard some horrible things. I've heard things that maybe just want to quit what I was doing, but I couldn't run from it. But I had to go ahead and say, God, I will never on this planet comprehend that. But you are good all the time, and I will trust in you that I can't comprehend this. But someday, God, you and I are going to look at each other. And I'll never forget a guy that kind of was a, kind of a mentor of mine, and we would call back and forth when we had different questions. His name was Bill Gillum. And I remember one time him, uh, something horrible happened in my life, and I called him, and he says, I can't explain it, but I can tell you this. There's going to be a day that you and I and our God is going to sit in the heavens, and we're all going to wink at each other and say, he did it just right. He did it just right. He's good all the time. And when he reaches out to wink at you, you're going to see the hole in his hand, and you're going to know he paid it, and it's worth listening to. So it goes on here and it says, So not be, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. I, I want you to kind of hold here because we are sliding down kind of a funnel. We're starting at this uh, place in Romans 12, 1 and 2, but we're sliding down a funnel, and the purpose is to get to where it is going. Are you on next week? Okay, and then we will, we will end up today at the conclusion of where Ben will pick up next week. It is where we're going. It, you're getting in this vehicle, so to speak, this mental vehicle and spiritual vehicle, and you're putting on these things, but you're not putting them on as an end in themselves. We are moving somewhere with this passage of Scripture. We're being transformed for a purpose. Why are we being transformed? Why does he want you to go ahead and take off this old worldly lies and, and put on the truth? We're going somewhere, so follow me as we go through this. We will prove with this what the perfect, acceptable will of God is. That is what is well-pleasing to God. It says, and it is our service of worship. Worship isn't just what we did up here with this music. You're going to find the greatest worship is where we're going with this. This is the perfect will of God, he's saying. Now that you understand this, you can't do it on your own. I did it for you. Now that you realize grace abounds in sin, now that you can go ahead and move into this transformation in your mind, get aboard, all of you, and follow me through this little funnel because we're going somewhere. Then it says... For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Hold there for a minute. The reason I believe that is put there at that place in Scripture is this. 
if you really are hearing what he's saying to you, if you and I are really hearing that we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God, if you have received Christ, you are now a prince and a princess, holy and beloved. You've been transformed with a new identity. You've got all your points. If you really grasp this, there could be a tendency to think too highly of yourself if you're thinking accurately. He's saying, all of this, this is not for you and I to stay on this little platform of new identity. It's not for me to stay here and start thinking, I'm now something cool. But I think you have to come to that understanding to move into the next thing down the funnel, and that is now that you understand that, don't think so highly of yourself. Did you notice that it goes on into here and it says, uh, to not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to having sound judgment. That word sound judgment, what do you have up here? Uh, yeah, sound. The word literally is sober, sober judgment, uh, that God, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. That word sober is a metaphor of addiction. It's a metaphor of being sober. The word is taken from intoxicated, not being intoxicated. You see, I believe we live in a culture where addiction is the highest that I've ever seen it, but I don't think it's all the drugs and all the different things. The addiction is egoholic. We're egoholics. We're addicted to ourselves. The world revolves around me. What is my schedule going to look like today? You, you see it in little infants, and I love my grandchildren, but you see the fact that when it comes Christmas, they're looking, where's my name? Which gifts are mine? We look at them and we want to teach them not to be selfish while we ourselves are doing the same thing. And yet, what he's saying is, if you are following me, if you really will hold on to these truths, you'll know who you are. You don't have to go out and now get people to like you. You have everything you need. Your value is beyond anything you can imagine because I paid with my life, my blood, I paid it. You have everything you need. Now you can move into a place of forgetting yourself. You don't have to try to get people to like you. I don't have to care if you guys decided whether I did a good job here tonight. Now, maybe the elders might say you didn't and fire me, okay, and that'll be okay if they have to. But if I can go ahead and say, God, I am your servant. Burn out of me any part of my flesh. Let your words come forth that it may penetrate each individual soul here today. What you do with my reputation is your business, so therefore I can humble myself to this place and not think too highly of myself so that we can now move down to this place where I think God's bringing us. He says, do not think more highly of yourself as you ought to think, but to think as having a sober judgment, as being sober. God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now hold on to me as we read through this. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, 
Let each exercise them accordingly. Pause that right there for a minute. Keep your finger there, and let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians, uh, no, I'm sorry, chapter uh, 12, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of ministries, and the same Lord. And there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, basically, of one another. For to one might be given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by this one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For, each, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also in Christ. You go on a little bit further here, and it says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. Is it not for this reason any the less a part of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body? It is not for this relation to any the less part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? I was reading this to my wife about a month ago, knowing that I was talking like this, and it just hit me that, you know what we'd be? Uh, reading that? We'd be Mr. Potato Head. Just one member. Now, you follow me a little bit. We're going to touch on this a little bit more, but what you're following me is we are one body. This is where this all is taking us. The thing I want to challenge you is why be sober-minded? This isn't about you. It isn't about your body. It's not like, well, well, Nick's a part of my body. No, Nick and I are members of his body. This is about him and his body. I asked God to give me an illustration that would be just a really clear illustration to share this with you. I am either ignorant, which there's a lot of that. Uh, I am to the point of realizing it was hard-fetched to find the illustration because I think this is really foreign to us. I don't think we really get what this is talking about. And matter of fact, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I would say when I reached inside to find out the closest illustration that I could share to you, much of the illustrations came from a secular world, did not come from the Christian body. I think that's embarrassing. I'll tell you what I mean. Early on, uh, on uh, September 11th, there was a bombing or a, a planes crash into Twin Towers and our ministry was called to, to go there, and so we went there quickly as we could, and we went to New York, and we went to the rubble and all the stuff that was falling down there, 
And I can tell you, there was just a lot of stuff that went through my mind, but there was something that stood out to me that I was absolutely, absolutely taken back. Everybody was working together as one unit. They didn't care who pulled who out. Any, everybody rejoiced in any kind of victory that was coming to an individual. People would come, and I know you were there, and you can remember that, that people would come and offer you food. People would, it was like, I think it was designed to be. Nobody was envious. I didn't get to pull them out. Nobody was critical of the other one. Everybody working as a team, from firemen to policemen to the rescue people to street people, the wounded bleeding were helping other people. Everyone was coming together for one main purpose. It was gorgeous to see. If you remember that time in your life, do you also know what happened in New York City that actually was just a kind of a, uh, a residue of this? The New York Yankees were playing, and they started doing this at the games. They took a bald eagle, and they would let the bald eagle go in the middle of the game. They would stop the game, and they would let the bald eagle fly around the stadium as everybody saying, God bless America. In New York City, it went away. Today, I was on my way up here, and I was driving, and that illustration hit me because the bald eagle landed right in front of me, went right down, grabbed a fish, and came up and flew, and I just said, God, what a reminder. Other times you have seen this as those of you that have blessed us by serving in the military, made it possible for us to live in this planet. You have seen this in military battle. When it gets right down into the hot stuff, you're not sitting there thinking, oh, I wanted to be the one that helped him out. Everybody in the military, when they're in the middle of the tough battle, they're working together as one unit. I've seen it also in your body and your health, which is the illustration they use here. When one part of your body aches and hurts, you're not all bugged because you're over here and they're not paying attention to your arm when you've got something stuck in your eye. You're helping out because you are part of this body. Do you see this is where he's taking this? You and I are to renew our minds so that we can come down this funnel so that Bill Ewing can know who he is. I don't have to now have my eyes fixed upon me to get your appraises so I can think of myself okay because God has already said, I'm the one that will declare who you are so I can forget myself so that I can now move down the scale and realize I am simply a part of a body which is Christ's body and we are all just members of one another. It will take away backbiting, jealousy, bitterness. Most of that critical spirit will be gone if I can get into that attitude. I won't care who gets to preach. I won't care who gets to do this. As long as the body is benefiting, I can rejoice in it. And yet we grumble and we complain because we're a foot and we want to be the eye. We look around, and this is what was happening back in this day in Corinthians, is they were taking gifts, and they were taking a lot of the sign gifts that you get to see. Uh, today, because they're not as prevalent here, now they're still around, but they're not as prevalent, what you get to see is you get to see the people that can be up front and talk. So they look like they're a gift that, oh, that's a better gift. 
Oh, not at all. When we get into the kingdom of heaven, it says those that were bestowed what we call less honorable gifts are going to be bestowed with greater honor. You may have been the one that came up here in the morning last winter, and I came up and saw somebody just shoveling the walk out there, and you were doing that so that the whole body would function, and you absolutely, when you do it with that in mind, your joy will start to come to the fullness. You will understand this is what life is about if we are part of one another in the body. Are you following me with this? And I, I don't have this completely down. I sit here and I can, I can look and I can judge and I can grumble about things, but if I begin to see why, where this is leading, it's coming down to this, and next week you're going to come to where the litmus test of the Christian life is going to be revealed. This is what it's for. But if you want to find what is the test of a believer, it isn't they that know their Bible and know the Greek meaning of this. It isn't them that can quote you all the scriptures that they've memorized. And it isn't those that are giving their tithe here or going to church and doing this. When they came to Jesus and they said, we are confused, his disciples said. He said, look at those that are demonstrating love one for another. Those are my true disciples. From Old Testament, from the major prophets to the minor prophets to the Psalms to the Proverbs, even today Proverbs 19 says this all the way through. He says this, this is what I desire in a man and a woman, that they would have loving kindness and truth with one another. So my challenge to you is this, that you, as you give yourself all and say, God, here I am, I am yours. You take what is mine. If you want to list everything down, say, none of this belongs to me anymore. It's yours and especially this body that sits here. As yucky as it might be, okay, it's all yours. And I'm going to take what you said, and I'm going to replace what the world has told me by putting on the truth so that I don't have to sit and try to get my acceptance and worth and value from who I'm with or somebody else. I can now forget me, and my eyes can begin to see my part in the body. So it goes on in Romans and says this, so if you're gifted and somehow a measure of gifts has been given to you to teach, then teach. Stay being a teacher. If you're a giver, then give with liberties. Be a giver. Don't try to be the teacher when you're the giver. If you're an administrator, administrate. He's basically going on to say this, that if you're going to give a gift and there's something in your heart, Stay there. That's the part of the body that this church needs. We should never in a church have to go ahead and say, all right, we need some people to do this, this, and this. Do we have any volunteers? In churches so often, we grab arms and put them in places of feet. And we look like that. I promise you, if you get into this, you will not be able to stop yourself from letting your gift flow through you because it is what will exhilarate you. It will bring you where God has called you to be, and the whole body will benefit. There was a friend I had. Uh, this friend, I think, was one of the greatest encouragers I'd ever been around. Uh, People may say he didn't go deep theologically, but I can say this. Every time I left him, I was lifted up. He just encouraged me somehow. Sometimes it wasn't even anything he said. It was, he was just kind of goofy and whatever it needed, but I needed that. 
and uh, somehow he got fed some information about teaching, and so he decided he was going to be a teacher. And in his teaching, uh, <clears throat> he just was not gifted. And the whole body began to suffer <laughs> with his teaching. But I noticed something that happened. When I was down and I needed encouraged because of the things I did, and, and I remember just always wanting to drive over to his place, I couldn't do it anymore because encouragement was no longer there. I was not encouraged. Matter of fact, I was always challenged by my theology. I was always questioned. We were getting debates when we got together. And the gift that he was given by God to be an encourager, he began to step out of it, and the whole body began to suffer. So I want you to pray with me as we close. Father, we can't manufacture this as much as I saw Ben trying to teach people how awesome and excited he was about you and who you are or how sometimes we try to tell people about what it's like to fall in love. We cannot reveal these truths. Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can take your life and your words and pour them into the hearts of the people that are here. We're going to ask you in Jesus' holy name that you would cause these people here, each individual member to know their value in what you have given them and gifted them with. And that if they're not sure that they would then talk to people around them to find out what gifts have been poured out upon them and that they would be content with that, knowing that that is where they will shine and that's where you'll be glorified and your body, not ours, will be fully seen by a world that is desperately in need of you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.